Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. This is episode number 29, and it's Thursday. It's January 16th. It's late in the evening. I've had a great day today. Hope you have too. And I'm still pumped up. Yesterday, we had a guest in the studio. We had John Maffey from the San Diego Union Tribune, legendary sports journalist here in San Diego, 50 years following San Diego sports. We had a great conversation. Uh, we've already posted the audio only uh, podcast up to iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. We're working on finalizing the video, hoping to get that uploaded late tonight, maybe by tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. Um, so just more, you know, development, more exciting things happening here in the John Riley Project. I'm all fired up for it. Um, Hey, just want to say thank you uh, to all of you loyal listeners, loyal viewers, everyone that's been watching or listening to this show for every episode. Thank you very much for doing that. I know there's a number of you that have been with me since the start of my project, and I'm really thankful for your support. If this is your first time watching or the first time listening, hey, give it a try. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, hopefully this is something you'll enjoy. Uh, I'm going to get into a lot of different topics here, sports, politics, just current affairs. We talk about local issues here in the San Diego County area, in the Poway, Rancho Bernardo, Penasquitos area. So we touch on some national issues, and, and I'm going to get into a little bit more about some of the bigger things we're going to try to accomplish with this project, and we're going to touch on that today. But hey, if this is your first time watching or listening, thank you for joining us, and we hope you really enjoy it. So, I don't know, what's been going on with me lately? You know, I think I told you that we were heading out to Albuquerque. So my son Trevor and I, we drove out there last Friday uh, from San Diego to Albuquerque, a 12-hour drive, went over... You know, from here to Phoenix, we've done that drive a million times. So I was kind of excited for the second half of the drive. We went over the, you know, the mountains there in uh, northern Arizona, like Sholo and then into Holbrook. And it was really neat, you know, kind of high elevation, a lot of snow, but the roads were clear. Got into Albuquerque, made great time. And then on Saturday, we were out there, you know, kind of getting them set up for spring semester, um, took care of some business, uh, you know, things for the dorm, that sort of thing. And then on Sunday, he was hanging out with his buddies. They were all rolling back into town. Um, so um, I went up to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and had a little bit of a boondoggle by myself. It was snowing that day, which for me is a native Californian. That's always a big adventure. So I enjoyed that. And there's a lot of great historical sites in Santa Fe. So, um, hey, I enjoyed my trip. You know, Saturday night when we were there, I got to meet some of my son's uh, teammates on the uh, New Mexico Lobos baseball team. So we went out to dinner and uh, then Sunday I flew home. And so here we are. It's Wednesday. So I'm kind of getting back into the groove, getting back into my rhythm. Uh, but I had a great trip. And, um, you know, I got a lot of trips planned this spring. We're going to be out on the road a lot. Uh, our next adventure is going to be, I think it's the weekend of February 9th. Uh, my wife, Kim, and I will be heading up to San Luis Obispo. Uh, my daughter, Shannon, is on the Cal Poly San Luis Obispo triathlon team. That's their parents' dinner weekend. So we get to go up there and meet all those athletes and spend time with our daughter. That's going to be great. And then the weekend after that is the UC San Diego Triton Man Triathlon, 
Last year, we had the entire Cal Poly triathlon team here at our house, like 85 athletes, and they were here for a big, uh, you know, pizza pasta event. I'm not sure if we're doing that again this year. Um, it's kind of up to my daughter to organize it, but hey, our home is available. We're happy to host it, uh, but should be fun. But anyways, uh, let's talk about... Um, some of the topics we want to get into today, I want to talk about um, the San Diego State of the City address that Mayor Kevin Faulkner just uh, released. I think that was, was that today or yesterday? But I watched the video of it today, so I have some comments on that. I want to give you some insight onto some of the developments and the things that I'm working on here with the John Riley Project, because I want to keep you informed, my audience, and kind of make you feel part of what we're trying to accomplish here. And then I've got some you know, quick-hitting comments, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little bit of fun with that segment. Um, But before I get started, hey, I just want to say, if you're not following me on social media, come on, get out there, get on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. That's the platform I love the most. A lot of fun, a lot of snark on Twitter. You can have a good time. I'm always zipping off things, you know, politics related, sports related, uh, some local stuff here in Poway. I enjoy tweeting. My handle there is John Riley Poway. So, uh, you know, follow me there on Twitter. All right. The uh, San Diego State of the City Address, Mayor Kevin Faulkner made the address. I think he was down at the Balboa Theater. It uh, looked like it'd be a nice event filled with all sorts of government employees there to support him. And it, it's kind of fun watching Kevin Faulkner because you know he's a Republican, but he's in a city that you know now is definitely a Democratic city. I mean, I think the city of San Diego has you know, voted for Hillary. Um, the county has... I believe voted for Hillary as well. Um, you know, three of our five congressmen are Democrats, and so here's Kevin Faulkner, the mayor of what is what is San Diego, the sixth or seventh largest city in the United States, and so, but he's you know a bit of a hybrid, you know. So it was interesting to listen to his speech because he had, um, you know, some conservative themes, he had some progressive themes that were all sort of blended together, which I think is smart for him as a politician to govern from a bipartisan perspective. But it's just sort of fun looking, trying to read between the lines because I think a lot of people are trying to assess the viability of Kevin Faulkner. Is he the the savior of the Republican Party here in San Diego. Well, I think that that remains to be seen. But I thought overall, I thought he did a good job with the state of the city address. Um, and I think he, you know, he, he had some great themes and I, I want to break these down. Um, the number one thing that he said, the number one crisis facing San Diego is the housing crisis. And, you know, we've talked about that here on the John Riley Project as it pertained to development here in the city of Poway on Poway Road and up at the Stone Ridge Country Club. We've talked a lot about the housing crisis and, and everything related to it. And Kevin Faulkner spoke uh, to a great deal about housing really from the point of view of the homelessness crisis. And it's great that he's trying to address this. I'll give him great credit. You know, I'll just give you a little personal anecdote for me. You know, in, in my uh, in my day job, you know, when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm a, a marketing consultant. I have a number of clients and I have one particular client that's down in the sports arena area. So I'm usually down there three days a week helping them out. And a lot of times during the day, if I'm, you know, want to gather my thoughts or take a break, I like to go for a walk and, you know, for 15 minutes and lets me think. And I'm usually walking right around the, the actual sports arena parking lot. And there is a tremendous amount of homelessness in that sports arena area. And it's really kind of sad. It's, I mean, the city was, I noticed they had a cleanup crew out there today doing landscaping maintenance, um, you know, cleaning up some of the trash, but 
those are rare events. I mean, that area has really started to really erode, um, and it's a shame uh, because on one side of the street, they have a lot of commercial development. You know, there's a lot of big box and retail there, but on the other side of the street um, where the sports arena is, it's just it's just messy. And there's just a lot of people that are down on their luck for one reason or another, have fallen into homelessness. But you see a lot of um, people whose lives are in distress. You see people, you know, they definitely have addiction issues. Um, obviously, you know, their life has gone sideways. And, and you have compassion for them, but then you're kind of a little bit concerned, you know, you know, there's, you know, ladies that work in the area and they're going to their car. You're just concerned about their safety. Um, but it, it, I see it firsthand. And sometimes I, one time I was going for a walk on, on sports arena Boulevard, kind of near the Chili's there. And, uh, I remember this is about a month ago and I was walking down the street gathering my thoughts and I heard like some voices and I realized it was someone singing and I thought, oh, is my phone on or what's going on? And as I got up closer, it was in in the hedges right there, um, in the landscaping, in the hedges, there was a homeless guy drinking a bottle of beer and singing a song. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we, there's got to be a solution to this. We've got to figure out a way that we can help these people get on their feet, um, you know, get a home get a job, you know, become productive members of society. But at the same time, we've got to figure out a way to sort of clean up um, our environment, uh, you know, from an environmental perspective. Like I said, there's trash and all kinds of, of a mess. But, you know, just generally have a, 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 a more attractive city that's more welcome for, for business and for visitors. Uh, so I was really happy that Kevin Faulkner was making this a major priority. It was the number one priority in his speech. And... He was talking about a lot of the things that the city is already doing. And, you know, they, they have storage centers for the homeless where they can, you know, keep their belongings and have them protected. Um, he's putting together safe parking initiatives, initiatives where people that live in their cars can actually park somewhere and spend the night and feel like they're in a safe and secure environment. And he's putting forward sanitary and safe um, shelters underneath the bridges. So he's trying to do some things and I, I'll give him great credit. And, you know, it's interesting that the safe parking thing is something that came up recently in the Facebook group that I talk about all the time, um, South well, now it's called South and North Poway Votes. So congratulations, uh, Chris Cruz. That was a nice adjustment to the name of, this, of the group. But I know there was some conversation there that someone had shared a flyer that was being used in some other city where homeless people were that lived in their cars could park in a specific city parking uh, lot, a public parking lot. And from the, you know, the hours, I think 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., they could stay there. They would be safe. And as long as they had a plan to transition out of this um, living in car status, they were welcome to return there from night to night. And some of the people here in Poway were, were wondering, is this something the city of Poway would do? And I mean, to me, that's an innovative thing that's easy costs nothing really, maybe just some staffing by police. Um, but to me, that's a reasonable thing for a city to do, to help people that are in those difficult life moments to find a little bit of relief so they can transition. Um, so Mayor Faulkner talked about that as some of the um, 
things that they're already doing in the city of San Diego. But he got into some great topics as he spoke about the housing crisis. And I, I give him great applause for this. He says, we cannot let fear control our actions. We, can, we have to say that nimbyism is wrong. And I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I've been railing about that here in the John Riley Project, you know, nimby, not in my backyard. And this is the prevalent thing is that when people want to address the housing crisis, um, whether it's to build new construction for whomever it is, you know, if it's for low income, affordable housing, traditional single family homes, whatever it is, a lot of times people in that local neighborhood are resistant to it. And he's saying, we've got to flip this and we've got to say nimbyism is wrong. We have to say yes to affordable housing in every district in the city of San Diego. And I'm thinking, hey, right on. Now, we can talk about affordable housing versus housing that is affordable. And I think I may differ with the mayor a little bit there. I'm a fan of housing that is affordable rather than affordable housing, which is government subsidized housing. But at least he's trying to address this problem. And he says, you know, we, we need to tackle the problem at its core. And, and there's a mental health crisis. And he's asking the county of San Diego to step it up and to provide more um, beds in psychiatric hospitals and help these people because... They had done surveys in the shelters and one out of three homeless people self-identified as being um, having mental illness. And so great that he's addressing that because this is a big, I mean, it's a multifaceted problem, homelessness. I mean, there's there are income issues, employment issues, obviously housing issues. There are addiction issues. There are, um, uh, you know, mental illness issues. And there's a number of there's a number of facets to this problem, but I'll give him credit. He was trying to address that particular point, but he also said that the other major problem at its core, besides the mental illness issue, is the fact that there's an acute housing shortage. And he put forward a number of great plans. And he said, you know, the federal government tried to do some of this. And over the last five years with federal government subsidies, they built about 4,000 units. He says, that's nowhere near to what they need. The city of San Diego, in his estimate, needs about 35,000 units for low-income housing alone. And so um, he said, there's a lot that we need to do. And and the themes he touched on were great. He was saying we need less expensive um, housing that's easier and faster to build. And so this is all about um, breaking down the regulations and the zoning to make it easier for development, which I'm a huge supporter of. Because if we can build more housing, we're going to accomplish a lot of things. We're going to create more roofs that we can put over people's heads. We're going to relieve the pressure on housing because, you know, there's so much demand for housing in San Diego County, but the supply is so limited and the zoning laws and the regulations make the expansion of supply so difficult. So he wants to start breaking that down. And he's in favor of micro, micro units, you know, which are almost like dorm housing, which we're starting to see some of this innovation at San Diego State. I read an article about that recently where they're allowing essentially like a single room, almost like a studio, but it doesn't necessarily have to have a kitchen. The kitchen would be in a shared area like in a dormitory, like in college. But this is something that would be on private property and San Diego State is experimenting with it out on Montezuma Road. So Mayor Faulkner is embracing micro units. He's also trying to encourage more granny flats. You know, these are the small homes that people can build in their backyard that can be for, you know, an elderly family member or perhaps a rental income for homeowners. And 
you know, it's, by the way, it's something that we've thought about building on our property. I mean, we live here in Poway. We've got almost two acres of land. And so we've got quite a bit of land that we could easily build another house, um, you know, whether it's a granny flat or even a standard size house. In fact, our next door neighbors, they have a lot that's similar to us. And there are two full size houses on that lot. And my wife and I, we've often you know, just an idle conversation, have thought about building another house there. Um, but we've always thought that our homeowners association, which is pretty hardcore, we figured they'd never go for it. So we've never actually approached it. But now with these thoughts about housing, now I'm starting to think a little bit more seriously about it because it could obviously upgrade the value of our property. It could, um, potentially provide some additional revenue uh, for us if we decided to make it a rental. Um, but at the same time, it would relieve some of the pressure um, on housing. So who knows? Maybe that's something we need to explore. Um, but Mayor Faulkner went on to say he goes, you know, he wants to make sure that owners, you know, property owners have the right to build without a difficult process. So he's supporting property rights. So, you know, bravo, Mayor Faulkner, this you're right in my wheelhouse. So thank you. Um, he's and he wants to radically overhaul the entire system. And he said the the status quo empowers of anti-housing, um, you know, these these advocates of nimbyism are the ones that need to be addressed. And so he was saying we need to end end NIMBY and embrace YIMBY, not not in my backyard. It should be yes in my backyard. So he's really pushing forward to make San Diego a YIMBY city. So I thought that was fun and clever. So he's trying to remove um, that anti-housing bias. And one of the things he wants to do is to allow um, property to be taller in the city of San Diego. Now, obviously on the coast, the Coastal Commission has certain rules, um, but once you get beyond the coast, he said, um, we can build you know, taller uh, properties so that we know we're talking about multifamily units. That makes sense um, because of you know, the demand for housing. And in many places in San Diego County, you can't go horizontally, you're gonna have to go vertically to build some more homes. Um, I mean, it's a shame you can't do more of it on the on the coast, but that seems to be more of a state thing, the Coastal Commission. That's not a city issue. I think that's a state issue. So he has his hands tied at the coastal area, and we can get into if that's by design and you know rich people that live on the coast and that whole angle. But that is the reality, is that they can't really build too high along the coast. Um, he wants to end the unnecessary reviews for developers because sometimes a lot of these plans go through tremendous review process. And he wants to, and I thought this was great, he is proposing unlimited density to include housing as long as you, excuse me, unlimited density as long as you include housing for the homeless or for affordable housing. And so this to me is terrific because it's it's a market-based solution. So he's basically telling the developers and, you know, developers want high density housing, you know, because they can sell more units in a smaller, you know, geographic footprint. And so he's saying, I'll let you have unlimited density as long as you're creating space for affordable housing and for the homeless. So here you go. This is a great market solution. He said it's the, it, it will be the most generous incentive in the entire state of California. And so um, I, I just think this is great because the way to, the one way to solve homelessness is to tax people 
and throw money at the problem and subsidize housing and 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 try a welfare approach to um, the housing crisis and the homeless crisis. But you know, we've been doing that for a long time and it's just not effective. I think the better approach is to incentivize all of the other players in the market, incentivize development of more housing, incentivize development of more affordable housing, um, and then also to incentivize um, you know, the participation of all these other community organizations to get involved to provide assistance for the homeless. So. Uh, Mayor Faulkner, you know, I, I didn't agree with everything on your solution for the homeless uh, and with housing. Um, and you alluded to, um, you know, uh, Governor Newsom and and wanting to have like $500 million worth of more funding for this and for the state. And I hear you. You're, you're pushing for a bipartisan. You know, you're trying to be this hybrid Republican Democrat guy. I got you. That's a good way to to govern. Um, but I would hope that we can embrace more of these market based solutions because I think in the end, that's going to be the most sustainable long-term solution. Uh, because if we keep trying to approach this from a Rob Peter to pay Paul solution, at some point that's going to break down. So uh, bravo, uh, Mayor Faulkner, on those proposals. Um, the mayor um, of San Diego also got in a number of other topics. You know, he's trying to help the neighborhoods out. And this is very common things you'd expect to hear from a mayor of a big city, more libraries, more parks, more fire stations. But I thought it was great. In, the, in his speech, he said that San Diego was recently awarded, and I can't remember who gave this award, but it was the safest big city in the United States of America. And I thought, man, that is a zinger at President Trump, who, you know, is all about wanting to, you know, build walls and protect, um, you know, illegal immigrants and uh, from, you know, invading our nation. And which I think is just a bunch of hyperbole. There's well, a tremendous amount of it is hyperbole. Let me say that. So um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but um, there were a couple other things that the mayor was saying. You know, one of the things that, he talked about that I liked was this whole clean SD initiative about, you know, removing graffiti, cleaning up trash, you know, cleaning up the um, San Diego riverbed from um, all the encampments. And I think he said they got about 70% of the San Diego riverbed cleaned up. That's great. I've ridden my bicycle along the San Diego riverbed, which is a great place for a bike ride. I mean, you can go from Qualcomm Stadium all the way out to Ocean Beach, uh, but there is a lot of a mess down there. So I'm glad that they're addressing it. He, he did bring in one other topic, and this is, you know, the whole diversity, um, uh, you know, topic. And, you know, saying, hey, we're a city that's very diverse. It's not just Republican, Democrat, independent, but it's, you know, women-owned business, minority-owned business, and and we want to make sure that we're awarding city contracts um, and ensuring that all these different, um, essentially, all these different political identity groups are getting equal representation of city contracts. And this is a topic that always rubs me the wrong way as a taxpayer. I mean, I mean, no um, disrespect to any particular identity group. I'm just saying as a taxpayer, we should get the best value in these city contracts. And if that ends up going exclusively to, um, I'm gonna pull this out of my hat, you know, lesbian, Hispanic, um, senior citizen, um, I mean, yada, yada, intersectionality, that category gets all the city contracts because they provide the best value to the taxpayer, for me, 
terrific because um, I don't really care um, the ethnicity or sexual orientation or um, any of those identity identity categories in terms of who should be awarded contracts. It should always go to whoever provides the best overall value to the taxpayer. But the mayor trying to embrace diversity, again, trying to be a bipartisan uh, mayor. And he got into the environment too. He was talking about you know, climate change is real. Bravo. Yeah, that's science. Good for you, Mayor. You, you, sometimes you have to say it as plainly as that. Climate change is real. Uh, but he was talking about creating more dedicated bike lanes. I think that's great. Um, more safe intersection projects, you know, to protect the safety of pedestrians. That's great. Um, and he really got into the water supply issue. And we've talked about that here on the John Riley Project. And he said he's putting forward this pure water initiative and it's the largest water recycling program in California, the single biggest sustainability project in San Diego city history. Bravo, Mayor Faulkner. That's good. Um, we're talking about innovative ways using technology to protect our environment in this case to recycle water. I think this is fantastic. A big shout out to Poway city councilman, John Mullen, he's been part of this process. So Mayor Faulkner pushing that forward. Um, Mayor Faulkner also, you know, embracing renewable energy. Um, you know, he made a commitment to have San Diego be renewable 100% by the year 2035. Um, you know, hey, that's a great goal. Um, but one of the things he's putting forward, he calls it the Community Choice Energy Program. This is something that I'm not really a big supporter of. Basically, he wants to create a competitive environment with San Diego Gas and Electric, which that sounds good. But my understanding is, is that it's a city-owned utility company. So it's almost like, a, I mean, it is. It's like a socialist kind of a solution. It's almost like a nationalization of energy. But in this case, it's, it's a municipality that would be owning a energy delivery and then competing with San Diego Gas and Electric um, I'm not a fan of of the city, uh, you know, taking over parts of industries. I am a fa in favor of choice and competition, and having some competitive juice to go up against San Diego Gas and Electric because SDG&E electric rates are some of the highest in the nation. They're outrageous. Um, so, again, I think this is the mayor trying to create a competitive choice model that may be appealing to conservatives, but doing it as a government-owned um, process, which may be appealing to progressives. So I think he's trying to straddle both sides of that. Um, and then, hey, you know, he, he did talk about one interesting issue, and this was, um, you know, why the heck do we have this trolley system and it doesn't connect to the airport? And and I, I never really thought of that, but yeah, that's a, that's a legit issue. Now, the San Diego trolley, I mean, we can look at that, and the ridership on the San Diego trolley is very, very low, except for a couple of segments, primarily from you know the, the border at San Ysidro up to downtown San Diego. That line gets quite a bit of traffic. Um, that line, I haven't run the numbers, but it would probably be potentially showing a return on investment. But for the rest of the trolley line, the ridership is extraordinarily low, um, and they've done studies, and it significant portion of the people that are on the trolleys were ones that used to ride on the buses. So it hasn't really relieved the stress on the city streets or on the freeways nearly as much as it was forecasted. And if you consider how much money was spent on the trolley system, you, the return on investment, it just is nonsense. It doesn't even make sense at all. 
Now, I know they're trying to, well, not trying, they are extending the, the trolley all the way up to UTC and to UC San Diego. Um, so that's a pretty big deal. So I'm curious to see what the ridership is going to be there. You know, if they extend the trolley to the airport, that could generate a lot of traffic, a lot of ridership. So I figure if you're going to have a trolley, you may as well have it go to the airport. Uh, so I'm glad he's at least addressing that. I'm curious to know how much it's going to cost. How is it financed? If it's up to me, the trolley is financed by the people that use the trolley. Um, and it shouldn't be subsidized by taxpayers. It should stand on its own as a self-sustaining um, business model. So that's not what's going to happen. I mean, we know that um, a lot of gas tax and sales tax is siphoned off and Sandag, you know, does that for other transportation initiatives. But I guess we'll learn more about this, but another interesting proposal. But I think overall, the mayor did a solid job. Um, you know, I think he offered, I, I love his, his um, innovations for housing, you know, making it easier to build, um, giving a market-based incentive to build more housing, to reduce the strain on housing, because housing is so expensive. And so if we can create more supply, then with the incredible demand for housing, more supply, that'll make prices relax. It'll make rentals more affordable. It'll make new purchases more affordable. Um, and there's an opportunity for more innovative housing solutions. Um, you know, these micro units, the granny flats. Um, you know, he even talked about, um, you know, certain initiatives where we they could relax the parking regulations to reduce the number of parking spaces that are necessary um, in in housing developments that are right next to public transportation. That makes sense too. Um, so uh, in fact, that was part of the uh, proposal for the housing at San Diego State that I was talking about earlier, um, that they're going to reduce the parking um, and they're going to make it mandatory that you know, if you have a car and you don't have one of the spots there that you have a spot at uh, on campus for on-campus parking, so there's not cars on the streets. And this particular housing development on Montezuma for San Diego State students was going to have more bike parking and everything to, you know, appease that so they could justify having way less parking spaces. So it's that kind of innovative thinking that I think is great. So, okay, that, that's the state of the city address. So overall, Mayor Faulkner, good job. Um and I think you're putting forward some good ideas, some things I maybe don't totally agree with, but I understand why you're doing it. And I'm sure you're a true believer in what you're putting forward. Um, hey, uh, like I told you, we had a guest here yesterday, John Maffey. And I said, you know, his uh, an amazing conversation. We talked about um, Tony Gwynn and um, we got into uh, Marcus Allen and Billy Bean. And we talked about his history as a um, as a uh, athlete at San Diego State and his relationship with um, Don Coriel and Jerry Tarkanian. It was unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to having more guests on the program. We've got another great guest lined up for next week. I don't want to give it away, but um, this is a, a, another gentleman who is pretty well known in the baseball community here in the Poway Ranch Bernardo area. So hopefully, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to firm up that time and I'm looking forward to him joining me. So we're going to have a lot more conversations with guests. So I'll put this out there to you in the audience. If you have recommendations for guests that you like to see interviewed here on the John Riley Project, hey, send me a note. Visit my website at johnreillyproject.com. There you can 
can fill out a form and send me a note or just DM me on Twitter at John Riley Poway or find me on Facebook. Just let me know. And um, we love to hear recommendations on guests. My goal is to have one guest a week. And uh, with your help, um, you know, and your resources, you can help me get some guests on board. And I think that makes the podcast a lot more interesting than just having me kind of spout to the microphone by myself. Um, hey, what else? Uh, hey, let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is a new kind of segment I want to try out on the John Riley Project. So the good, I want to give a big shout out to Tyler Couvret. Uh, Tyler is a uh, Poway uh, resident. You know, we, we interviewed his mother, Ginger. She was uh, here on the John Riley Project. She's a recently elected to the Poway uh, School Board. Tyler is a senior at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. He's been very involved with the uh, the Rose Bowl float for Cal Poly. And every year, you know, he's an engineering major. So a lot of times he's the guy building the machine that's underneath the stage of the float that goes on, out on the Rose Parade. And uh, this year he got to drive it, you know, so immediately I remember, I'm thinking of, of um, Animal House when uh, Bluto was out there driving the, uh, the float, but I'm sure Tyler was a lot more well-behaved, um, but Tyler drove the float and he's engineered a lot of it and they got a big award. The, they call it the Extraordinary Award. So big shout out to you, Tyler. I know you've, um, you're an engineering major, you're graduating this spring and you've already got lined up with an engineering job at Texas Instruments. So bravo to you. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. That's where my daughter Shannon goes to school. You know, she's a finance accounting major and that school has been fantastic for her. So I can't say enough great things about Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So congratulations, Tyler Couvret. Um, what else was in the good? Um, and this is the good, the bad and the ugly. So we're still in the good segment. Um, hey, the San Diego State Aztecs, big win, uh, 99, excuse me, 97-77 over the University of New Mexico. That was last night. And here I've got huge mixed feelings on this. You know, I've, I've been a big fan of the San Diego State basketball program ever since Steve Fisher came on board. I think it was in 1999 was his first year. And that's when I really started following it. And, you know, I'm a UCSD grad and... I loved UC San Diego, fantastic school academically, met some amazing people there, wonderful experience, but we never had a Division I sports program. Now, I know UCSD is going D1. They're starting in 2020, which is going to be great. But without a, a D1 program at UCSD, I kind of adopted the Aztecs as my team. And so I had been a big fan of San Diego State basketball once they got Steve Fisher. But now my son goes to a competitive school to the University of New Mexico in the Mountain West. And so now here I've got this, the team I've been adopting versus a new team that I've also adopted facing off against one another. So I think as long as my son is a student at University of New Mexico, that's got to be my number one when they face off against each other. Um, but speaking as a longtime San Diego sports fan it was nice to see the Aztecs bounce back. They've had this Jekyll and Hyde season. They win big, they lose big. You never can figure them out, but they had a fantastic offensive performance. Um, and, you know, Jalen McDaniels, his third consecutive double-double, 24 points, 11 rebounds. Um, there were five players in double figures, and two of the freshmen did a great job. Nathan Mensa, 16 points. Um, Aguaca Rope, um, 10 points, and he hit this awesome three-quarter of the length uh, shot at the end of the first half for a three-pointer to put the Aztecs up five at the half, and he had a great uh, moment 
moment there. And it's nice to see the freshmen kind of stepping up. There's two other freshmen on the team. Um, There's another Mensa, no relation, um, Joel Mensa, I think his name is. And then then there's Ed Chang. And I know those guys are getting some minutes late, so it'd be nice to see them develop. uh, And I I know the Aztecs, ever since they put Mensa in the starting lineup, he's made a big difference. So it's like we've got another Skylar Spencer, a big guy in the middle that can block the ball. And he's also a scoring threat. I think he went like seven for seven. He didn't miss a shot. So, hey, congratulations to the Aztecs. Uh, For the Lobos, bounce back, guys. And let's uh, have both these teams make a big run into the Mountain West Tournament in March. So looking forward to that. Um, Also in the good, talk a little bit about D.C. politics. Um, I am, I've told you about this, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Um, I'm definitely a a very liberty-minded, free market guy, individual rights guy. Um, And there are sometimes some politicians in D.C., they're very rare, but they typically tend to align with my point of view. And the one that I really like that I just want to give a big shout out to in the good segment is Justin Amash. And he is a Republican. He's a congressman from the state of Michigan. And he just had this a couple of tweets and I want to read them to you because I think they're really, really good. And this is a point of view that you don't hear very often in Washington, D.C. And this first tweet was in response to, you know, just today, there were American service members in Syria that were killed in a bomb. It was a tragic event. And um, Congressman Amash said uh, in a tweet, may their memories be eternal. This is precisely why the Constitution requires Congress to approve war. U.S. forces should not be engaged in conflict conflict without an affirmative vote from the congressional representatives of the American people, pass legislation, or bring them home. And I'm thinking right on, you know, because we've got our troops deployed all around the world, and in most cases, Congress hasn't approved any of it. And that's Congress has that constitutional right to be the body to declare war. And if we're going to send our troops into harm's way, they, we need to have the support of the people. And that's what Congress is supposed to represent. You know, too often we're seeing too much power go from the legislative branch to the executive branch. Um, and this, I like to see this. Congress is trying to pull back that power. Uh, Rand Paul speaks on this issue a lot too, which I think is a good topic. And there's one other um, item that uh, Congressman Amash, and this was yesterday, and I think this is another great, great uh, tweet. And this is in regards to the attorney general nomination hearings that are before Congress. And he said, William Barr, you know, who's the nominee for attorney general, William Barr reiterated his support for legalized theft, also known as civil asset forfeiture, calling it a valuable tool. This anti-liberty position and others from Barr are disqualifying. And I'm thinking, bravo. Now, what this means is, is this is civil asset forfeiture. What this means is, is that if the police you know, pull a person over in a car and let's say a person happens, and there's been cases of this where a person might happen to have a good amount of cash on them. You know, they might be on their way to buy another car or, you know, they may, they may have a legitimate reason to have $5,000, $10,000 worth of cash on them. Well, the police will seize that cash if they just happen to be pulled over for a routine traffic stop because they assume it's a drug um, operation and they take that money away. Before this guy has even been, um, you know, has appeared uh, in, in trial, uh, so it's it's guilty 
before innocence, you know, so it's the exact opposite. It should be innocence before guilty. Um, and so you, you see other cases of this where people are having their cars seized, their homes seized. It particularly affects poor people. Um, and it's just, you know, police having too much power. And, um, and in this case, William Barr is a big supporter of civil asset forfeiture and Congressman Amash, a Republican, saying that's disqualifying and he can't support an attorney general that, that backs that particular policy. Now, granted, the attorney general is approved by the Senate, not by uh, by the House of Representatives, but it's nice to hear him say that. So a good shout out to Justin Amash, one of the good guys in Washington, D.C. But, hey, here's another good guy. And this is um, our local congressman, Scott Peters. He's a Democrat, um, and uh, you know he's a, he's a representative of Poway um, and this particular area of San Diego County. Um, and he gave the Democratic weekly address in response to President Trump about the wall, and he called the wall borderline crazy. And I love this. And he was basically standing up to President Trump, and he's saying, you know, uh, we de- our border here between San Diego and Tijuana is the most heavily trafficked um, border in the Western Hemisphere. We need to allow the free flow of commerce. Now, granted, I know there's already a partial wall in San Diego County, but it doesn't cover the entire county. And, we, you know, the wall itself is is representative of division rather than unity. And so Congressman Peters talked about that. And he said, you know, in order to build the wall, the, we, the government has to seize po- property through eminent domain. This is similar to civil asset forfeiture, except the government might give some money to the property owner, but maybe the property owner doesn't want to sell it. So the, you know, the government has to seize property for eminent domain to build the wall, is disruptive to the environment, and besides, illegal crossings are in decline, and he just thought that the wall was borderline crazy. And I applied, uh, applaud Senator, or excuse me, Congressman Peters for, for calling that out. Um, I'm not a supporter of a wall, and I've spoken about that in one of my previous podcasts. So that's the good. Hey, what about the bad? Um, Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, just today made the news and basically said to President Trump, if you want to have the State of the Union address, you can't have it here in front of a joint uh, houses of Congress. And this is, I don't know, to me, if you're a supporter of, of the Democrats, maybe you think this is good. To me, it was bad because it's just politicizing this, this shutdown, this government shutdown, because that was the whole basis of it. Well, the government shut down. We can't provide adequate security. Um, so therefore, it wouldn't really be safe to have... Um, the joint houses of Congress and do the State of the Union address. But you're certainly welcome to do the State of the Union anywhere else, including the Oval Office. So obviously a power play, you know, trying to, you know, emphasize to President Trump that Congress and and the presidency are um, co-equal branches of government. Um, But I I just thought it was just unnecessary politicization, um, you know, and and it's, I don't know, it's... uh, we, we need to find ways to bring people together rather than this grudge mode. And that's what I, I talked about this in a previous podcast. I think this shutdown is theater. I think it's these, whether you're a supporter of President Trump or not, whether you're a supporter of, um, you know, uh, Speaker of the House Pelosi or not, I think these politicians are using the wall and the shutdown as sort of like 
you know, it's gamesmanship, it's grudge mode. It's all about positioning for the 2020 presidential race. And, and, and this is just upping the ante. It's upping the divisiveness. And, um, and I'm just not a fan of that. So I, I put this in the bad category. But, you know, th- there's more to this shutdown. It's also in the bad category. I mean, we've got people working without pay. I mean, come on. And they're being forced. Some people are being forced to work without pay. And rightfully, some government um, employees are just calling in sick. They're saying, you know, BS to that. Um, so I'm it, it's a shame that this is happening. Um, and it's also it's interesting is, you know, we hear a lot of the um, uh you know, people are rightfully concerned about the employees of the government because they're not being paid. And, you know, you hear stories, people living paycheck to paycheck and you got to make your pay your rent and your mortgage. And yeah, there's a sympathy there. But the other interesting thing about this, this shutdown is that at least speaking for myself, and I would imagine speaking for a great deal of the listeners and viewers of this podcast, the government shutdown hasn't really affected anyone's lives in any significant way, um, which, you know, they've talked about how non-essential employees are the ones that are being essentially furloughed. So uh, this whole shutdown thing, again, I think it's theater. And, and, and it's a shame that some people are roadkill in this. Some people are suffering as a result of it. But I often wonder if you know, the Democrats and the Republicans really even care. I mean, I think they're, it, it's more to their advantage that they're pawns in this chess game than if they legitimately care about these people that are caught in the, in the, in the, um, the cycle of all of it. And then there's another interesting th- story. This is also in the bag column. You know, the, the, a lot of the national parks have been shut down and they weren't being cleaned up and there was trash and there, you know, there was some, you know, vandalism at some of the parks and that's made the news. Um, and then, but there was one particular uh, group of people, and these are liber- liberty-minded folks that aren't necessarily supportive of national parks, but they said, hey, you know what? We believe in a volunteer society. So they volunteer to go to the um, Shiloh National Park and clean up. And they had a group of people there with rakes and shovels, and they were cleaning up trash, cleaning up debris, and they were removed from the park, because I guess there were a couple of rangers that were still there that were keeping an eye on things. It was a you know a obviously reduced staff, but these volunteers were ejected from the park um, for volunteering to clean up. And I'm thinking, God, all these sort of perverse incentives are going on, and good people trying to do good things are being shunned, um, and then. Other people are not getting paid. And, and meanwhile, I, like I said, I think they're pawns in a chess game. And it's just a shame. So that's all in the bad category. Uh, so this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. What's in the ugly? How about President Trump hosting the Clemson Tiger National Championship football team at the White House with a big spread of fast food? <laughs> it's just, it was just comical. I mean, it's just hilarious. I mean, it was just so... I don't know, like that ugly American thing. And I was laughing about it and I was just embarrassed, you know, in some ways, although I have nothing to be embarrassed about, but I just felt this weird feeling like, come on. I mean, these kids are like national champs and you're giving them Big Macs and Whoppers and and pepperoni pizza. But I guess the excuse was, well, it's a government shutdown and we don't have um, a staff to cook the meals. So we're going to have to bring in some real American food. And, you know, Trump played it and I'll, 
you know, he knows how to play his bass, right? So he's appealing to the working class and like, yeah, we eat Big Macs too. And so I don't know, but it was just stupid. It was just ugly. It was, so it was nuts. And then the other thing in the ugly column, um, I talked about Rand Paul. Rand Paul is a guy that I have historically been a big fan of his, but since um, President Trump became president, Rand, my buddy Rand has gone sideways. So I'm not as excited about him as I used to be, but he was in the news just yesterday. And so you remember about a year ago, remember he got attacked by his next door neighbor? It was just some insane event where they were in dispute over grass trimmings in, uh, in their Kentucky homes there. And, and he was attacked from behind. He had broken ribs and pneumonia, water on the lungs, and, and all kinds of physical problems. It was, it was flat out assault. It was awful. Um, and so this guy, you know, the, the assailant, you know, he's, I think he's going to jail and he's being held um, financially responsible for Senator Paul's, um, you know, medical uh, care. But anyways, as part of this, uh, Rand Paul has to have hernia surgery. And it was just announced that he's actually going to a hospital in Canada to have his hernia surgery. And immediately all the progressives are going, aha, you see, what a hypocrite. Because, you know, of course, Rand Paul is a big free market guy um, and really against single payer socialized medicine. And so they're saying, you know, everyone wants to point out the hypocrite, right? So they're saying, aha, look, he's going to Canada where they have socialized medicine and he's, what a disgrace. And and it was just a shame because people didn't really dig in and really look at what was going on. Now, first of all, this hospital that's in this in Canada is world renowned for this particular type of hernia surgery, and people from all over the world come there. Now, the Canadians that use that, yeah, they get they they are able to use the national insurance. But Rand Paul's an American, so it's not like he's going to be. Um, you know, taking advantage of socialized medicine, he's paying cash out of his pocket, outside of his um, insurance policy program. So what's interesting is I always thought that in reality, this is a free market move because he's identifying the best provider of the, of the service. He's paying cash. And it turns out that he's going to only be paying about five to $8,000 for this surgery that would cost approximately three times that amount in the United States because of all the distortions of our, of our insurance industry and the regulations um, that make healthcare in America so stupid expensive. So he's able to just go to this particular clinic and pay cash. And there's actually another clinic that's similar to this that's in the state of Oklahoma that doesn't take insurance, doesn't take Medicare or Medicaid. It's just cash. And they actually have a price list. I mean, how often do you see price lists in healthcare? And there's a clinic in Oklahoma that does this. They don't happen to specialize in this particular hernia surgery that Senator Paul is having. So he's going to Canada. I put this in the ugly column not because of what Rand Paul is doing. I think what he's doing is great. It's just the way the reaction to the whole situation has been ugly. And it's been everyone looking for that gotcha moment, that, that case of hypocrisy. And that's not what it is. Um, so that's the final entry in my ugly column, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I hope to do a little more of this in my podcast. Um, 
Hey, I want to put out a call out to anybody out there. If you are interested in being a supporter of the John Riley Project, uh, we love your support. And maybe you're a business, you like to be a sponsor. Hey, we'll read your ads here on the John Riley Project. You help us. We'll help you. Um, so we're uh, always looking for sponsors. And at the same time, um, if you'd like to be a financial contributor and you'd like to donate, we've set up a Patreon page. So just go to uh, my website at johnreillyproject.com. And in the top menu, you can see um, information for donors or for sponsors. So if you're interested in getting involved, we really love your support. So thanks for considering. Um, and lastly, I, I want to talk about um, some of the things that I'm trying to do with the the, the, the John Riley Project, and I've, I I share a lot of this openly with you in the podcasts, and and even if you go on my website, I have a journal there, and I talk about how I started the podcast and what I'm trying to do, and I try to be very forthcoming and transparent, and you know I. I've always said, I always want to talk about things that I enjoy talking about. So I enjoy talking about politics and I enjoy talking about sports. Those are two big things. But I also like to explore other things. I like to follow history. You know, I'm on a personal quest, by the way, to visit every one of the California missions. And I'm about halfway done. And by the way, when I go up to San Luis Obispo in February, I'm hoping to knock down at least one more on that trip. And so um, I've got some more plans to go more of the missions. I, I enjoy history and I enjoy art and music and, and, and all, I'm, I'm very curious and, and um, want to learn more about things. And I, that's this podcast is part of that project. Uh, I should say that this podcast is part of my way of exploring these issues and learning new things. And as I said, talking about things I want to talk about. But I kept thinking, you know, is there a, is there a higher purpose to what I'm trying to do? Because I've got all these disparate things, you know, sports, politics, history. I mean, how do they all fit together? And I was I mean, giving deep thought to this and I'll share with you where I'm thinking about taking this and I'm really interested in your feedback. And I thought, I, I thought about this and I said, you know, the one, there's one phrase and I, I've spoken about this in previous podcasts. There's one phrase in politics that I just love that really embraces how I see the world and how I see politics and it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's in the Declaration of Independence, in the preamble. And let me read it to you because I think this is key. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm promoting, you know, I'm proing, uh, promoting life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm exploring these issues. These are big ideas. And I've, I want this podcast to be about big ideas. And, you know, what do I mean by that? Well, with life, I mean, you know, taking ownership of your life, taking control of your life, flourishing, doing the things that you want to do, um, making your life fantastic. Um, that's what that's what your right to life is. It's the right to own your life and to live your life. Um, liberty, of course, that's sort of the political angle. You know, that's having the individual freedom to trade and transact and pursue the things you want to pursue um, and having, you know, a minimal uh, authoritarianism so that you have maximum individual freedom. Um, and, you know, 
you can marry who you want. And I mean, we can go down the list of all these fantastic, you know, taxes should be low, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm a big supporter from a liberty perspective. And then pursuit of happiness. I mean, that's just, again, living your life and doing things that make you happy. And I thought sports makes me really happy. It's always had my whole life. I love sports. And I, you know, I dabbled as an athlete, as a youngster, um, but both of my kids are, are great athletes. And I just love following my children in sports. I'm a big fan of the Padres and and uh, I was a fan of the Chargers, but I'm a fan of basketball and soccer and triathlons. And I used to race BMX and I love that sport. And I've dabbled in and out of that as an adult too. So, I mean, I, these are all, and all the things I've talked about, you know, about history and and um, art and music, those are things that make me happy. I mean, I, I played in a band for a long, many years. I love music and and. I'm getting into ancestry research and I'm thinking, God, I'd love to talk about all these things in the podcast. What's the umbrella? And I thought, yeah, maybe life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, that's kind of it. That's the higher purpose. And so tell me what you think. Is that it? Um, share with me your thoughts and comments on social media, you know, or even in the, the notes in this podcast, you know, down in, in uh, um, on, if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you happen to be uh, listening, let me know. I, I'm curious. But I think that's the angle I'm going to go down, and I and I, I'm already starting this. I don't know if you follow me on social media, maybe you've already seen this. Um, I started a social media campaign to promote the podcast because I want to get the word out, and I've created these daily, you know, graphics, and I'm just embracing inspirational quotes. Um, you know, some are motivational things, some are political in nature. Some are just fun quotes. Like I had some Seinfeld quotes and Game of Thrones quotes that, you know, from shows that I enjoy, but I'm trying to just put uh, this social media uh, campaign out to promote the podcast. And you'll see me hashtag live your life, hashtag liberty or hashtag pursuit of happiness. So I'm trying to really get into this life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I'm going to continue doing that. And you'll see it on my Twitter feed my Instagram feed, and you'll also see it in my Facebook page for the John Riley Project. My personal Facebook, I tend to have that mostly for, you know, sharing family and friends and old high school friends and we talk, but I try to keep my podcast on Facebook. I have a John Riley podcast page. So I've been pushing the social media campaign there. So I hope you'll follow me there um, in Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. And if you like some of the stuff I'm putting out there, hey, share it with a friend, you know, let them know about the podcast. Um, or maybe you just like what I'm posting. So click on likes. And I've been seeing a lot of you have been liking them. Uh, a lot of my friends here in Poway, and I know some of you may like the things I talk about with sports, but maybe don't like the things I talk about with politics. So I noticed that some of you are liking the sports one, but are quiet on the politics ones. And that's okay. You know, so just give me some feedback, but please share them. And that's what I'm trying to do. If you like what I'm posting, retweet them, you know, um, and uh, forward those off and share them in social media. The other thing I'm doing on social media is I've created now a private Facebook group for the John Riley Project. And it's called the John Riley Project Insiders Group. And so I would encourage you to find that on Facebook and it's invitation only. And so what I'm trying to do there is kind of build a, a group of us um, on Facebook where we can talk about a lot of these issues that I talk about in Facebook. 
um, or excuse me, the issues that I talk about in the podcast, we can talk about it amongst ourselves in Facebook. And on that private Facebook group, the John Riley Project Insiders Group, I'm going to have bonus content. And I've already got some uh, video there of when I was up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, I'm going to be doing a lot more mobile content when I'm out and about uh, pursuing my own happiness. And some of the things that I'm doing, I'll be putting a lot of that content in the private Facebook group, which is you know, just request invitation and, you know, pretty much everyone will be approved. Um, and I'll, I'm going to moderate that content there, you know, so there's nothing crazy that happens. Um, if there is, I'll be, you know, subtracting that content there. So I'll have some basic rules. But what I'm trying to make it is a good place to have conversation about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, feedback on some of these issues. And it gives you an opportunity to top post articles and things that you want to discuss. I'll still have the the regular John Riley Project Facebook page, I'll, I'll call it a fan page for lack of a better term. And there I'll always post, you know, my podcasts and I'll have my social media. And that's where I'm trying to use that to attract people in. Uh, but ultimately, I'd love for you to join me in the private uh, Facebook group. And we can have some fun there. So like I said, I'll be posting bonus content there um, and uh, be having a lot more fun with it. And I'm going to be spending a lot of energy in that private Facebook group. Uh, There's just a couple of us in there right now. So jump on board. We'd love to have you. Um, And so uh, what else? Hey, I just want to thank everybody. you know, for, for listening and viewing and sharing. And so what are the things that you can do? If you want to be a supporter of the John Riley Project and maybe you don't want to financially support or be a sponsor, that's okay. But what can you do that's easy and is free? Well, first of all, listen or watch to every episode. You know, so, um, and I'm trying to produce more content. I want to, you know, keep putting this out as much as I can uh, because I always have something to share and I want to have more guests and I'm going to have more solo podcasts. So we're going to, 2019, we're going to be putting out a lot more content. So what can you do? Watch or listen to every episode. What else can you do is share this podcast with three people. Maybe pick two that you think might enjoy this. Um, And then, hey, just for fun, pick someone that you think you have no clue and just tell them, hey, I've been checking this John Riley guy out on Facebook or uh, on YouTube or maybe he's on iTunes. Check him out. You you might enjoy him. So please share this project with others and we can kind of build an audience together. Um, and the other thing you can do is uh, follow me on social media, or you can even sign up on our email list. And there's a sign up form on the johnreillyproject.com website. So, so the, hey, those are the things you can do if you want to get involved. And some people have asked me, hey, I want to get involved. And we're going to do some more things. I'm going to, I don't know if you've noticed, we've created a new logo. And big shout out to uh, Elena Aker. She helped me uh, create this new logo for the podcast. So I'm hoping to create some swag and I can get a coffee cup. Maybe I can get the logo on the coffee cup. And I'm going to try to put up a sign, um, you know, in my interview area of my of my living room. Uh, so I'm going to do a lot more branding. And I've got a bunch of things I'm going that's going on. But the, the ways that you can help me is just spread the word and and uh, help help me build this podcast and build the audience. And, and I'd be so thankful for your support. So I'll be back to do it all over again. You know I will. Until next time, and again, in the wise words of a modern-day philosopher, rest in peace, Patrick Swayze, from the movie Roadhouse, be nice. And thank you very much. John Riley Project, episode 29. Have a great day. Bye-bye.